Did you get Kane this weekend? Harry did. It's the Fantasy Football Surgery Podcast. Um, welcome back, everybody. It is the 81st instalment. Uh, you can call it the Christmas special with the Fantasy Football Surgery Podcast. I'm joined, as usual, by our editor, The Iceman. Thank you, Billy. Merry Christmas to yourself. Thank you. And to you, sir, how have your festive preparations been going so far? Non-FPL, to start us off. Zilch Christmas preparations at the moment. But I've got this week off, so hopefully I can uh, get some done this week. Maybe Christmas Eve. Yeah, you've been putting out a few gifts on the uh, on the Slack channel that we've got set up for our, our Patreon uh, supporters, and I know you've been putting many words of wisdom on there. So, uh, so good stuff on that. So, far. more about that later. Um, we've got another great guest. Uh, he's joining us again, somewhat of a regular as a guest on the podcast. We've got Mr. Tom Campbell back. Hi, Bully. How's it going? Merry Christmas to you and to you, Jim. And to you, Tom. Great to have you back on on board. And actually, we've got an absolute Christmas snow. We've got an avalanche of fixtures along the way over the next two weeks. It'd be great to have your input on uh, on all of those, well, not every single one. Um, just tell us a bit about how you've been getting on since the uh, the last time you joined us. Uh, yeah, expecting you to ask me that. And I was trying to think back. I don't think I've been on since the very early part of the season where yeah. I was having a rotten time. And I think I was the lowest rank I was at that stage was down in 2.7 million in game week five which is just wretched really so kind of progressed quite well since then and right now i'm around a quick look yeah just inside the top 270k so kind of come back quite well but i'm still kind of miles off where i'd like to be but you know we're not quite at the halfway point yet so uh, keep plugging away and see what happens doing okay but i'm still quite behind in my mini leagues and what have you so uh, a, a long way to go but Tom, you're someone that plays uh, plays for the long haul, all 38 games of the season. Actually, I definitely think there's something about once it gets past Christmas, you know, when people go through that that tough patch where they fall off a bit, it's the ones that hang in and still play, as Jay talked about a few weeks ago, that play for the 50 points a week. Those are the ones that end up higher at the end of the season. Uh, so that's that's you yeah. yeah, I think um, I, I listened, obviously, to that show. I thought Jay was a quality guest as you kind of expect really and he's right you know you just got to kind of persevere i remember when i was on the the final show uh last season that was the one lesson i took really from the season before was just kind of stick with it and try not to panic when you are in the rank is in the millions you know if if you have it down there then you know good good things will happen you just keep doing the right things and and also i think building up a team value early on has has helped me actually get a squad which i think should hopefully see me at least have a better second half of the season than than the first. So you know, fingers crossed. Team value. I'm I'm not going to ask you about that now, but I'm going to come back to that because sure. um, I remember in a couple of seasons back, I was all about the team value. Then it went off trend. But you make a good point there about um, being in a good place for the latter part of the season. So I'll come back to you on that a little bit. Sure. Later. Right. Well, honestly, let's get things going because we've got a lot of uh, a lot of football to be played over the next few weeks. Lots of points to be earned and probably frustratingly lost. Let's just start with how you got on over this last game week, Iceman. Yeah, pretty good game week for me. Got 66 um, final score, so I'm up to 29k overall, which not bad for this time of year. I captained Hazard. It was the uh, Loftus-Cheek on my bench for six points, which hurt me a little bit, but Calvert-Lewin and Fabianski with that penalty save was very much appreciated yesterday. That's a nice nine points that Fabianski gave me. So yeah, not, not too bad. 
Fabianski is looking like a top rotation keeper, isn't he? If you look at his points return this season, uh, yeah, his points are, are brilliant. But it's it's just <laughs> he plays for one of the worst teams in the league, and you can see them, you know, conceding a lot of goals, especially in the next five as well. It's not. It's Does that not give save points though? Yeah, save points, obviously, but whether or not he's a keeper, I'm I'm not sure. I'm actually moving him out for like a, a West Ham um, for Adrian, so I'm I'm thinking that, yeah. but it depends. I've got other things to do in my team. I might just leave it. West Ham currently losing one nil against the uh, the mighty Arsenal B side tonight. Mighty. Which brings me on to T C. Actually, beautiful segue. Good run. Beautiful segue. I'm sure you that wasn't intentional at all, CC. I am sorry. Well, there's tons of segues there actually, because my my game sounds really really similar to um, Iceman's. There. Let's use that one then. I got uh, 62 points. Also. Captain Hazard as well. I've actually made the move he was mentioning, so I brought in Adrian in goal, who picked up a clean sheet. We'll probably talk about him when we come on to West Ham's fixture, I guess. Also had uh, Tarkovsky, who's now banned, so I'll talk about him as well, I'm sure, when we come on to Burnley's. One of my other transfers, so I actually took a minus four in the game we've just gone. Brought in Lukaku, who picked up eight as well. Calvert-Lewin as well, but just to go back to Jim's mentioning on Calvert-Lewin and that Fabianski save, I mean, that's why you play FPL, isn't it? For that kind kind of moment where uh, you have your keeper make a penalty save and then the rebound is tucked oh, away by your budget brilliant. striker. I mean, it's, 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 it's people who don't play FPL are missing out on so much because that sort of thing is a joy to behold. So good, good on you for that, mate. But yeah, it wasn't too bad, too bad, bully, a 62-point game. Wasn't it? It, it makes all, you know, all Premier League football kind of watchable and enjoyable because suddenly you have an interest in you know, the Swansea goalkeeper, which, which you know, I think Everton versus Swansea might not be right. the first picture you tune into. Exactly. And, and you know, you guys chatting there about Fabianski as well. I think, you know, I agree with Jim as well that, you know, Swansea are a dismal side and I expect them to go down. But, um, you, you know, we said the same about Pickford last season when Sunderland were were just wretched as well. And, and he was still a good budget keeper. So, you know, there's probably method there as well. So uh, I can understand people sticking with Fabianski. And there's no, there's normally another fire to put out apart from the keeper, isn't there, with FPL. So I can understand, um, you know, not rushing to make that, that move. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's um, it's difficult on the keeper rotation. I think it's something we'll, we'll probably get into um, over the course of the pod with all these game weeks coming up. So uh, just, I suppose, my team, just to round us off there. So I got 59 points the week didn't take a hit so i was quietly happy with that uh things weren't going so well until super sunday where i, I had uh, lingard sala Firmino, so they all came in with 30 points 30 points yeah 30 points between them which i was very happy with saved my game week completely and sterling just keeps doing it for city and myself so i'm very very happy with that. jesse lingard's an in- interesting one uh, i think yeah. uh, you know, i was hearing loads of chat on twitter about him and he's got some good stats over the last five weeks and stuff but didn't actually know anyone who owned him so uh, maybe when we get to the united fixture it'll be be interested to get your thoughts on you know his viability and, and how you see it going you know in the next few weeks so that's kind of cool to know that finally yeah. i now know someone who owns him yeah, I've, I've had him in for a couple of weeks. He's uh, he was my Ramsey replacement when he got injured, so oh, he was yeah. similar price, similar role, I suppose, in the United side, a little bit more attacking. But yeah, we'll talk about him as we go on. But, cool. Uh, yeah, yeah. He was he was very uh, yeah very profitable this week. Let's talk about the podcast mini league. So top ten looking very similar to before. So in tenth place we've got Smash, Wench, and Shush. We've got ninth place Freeman Warriors, Karthik, Mahendra. Sorry if I've, if I've uh, pronounced that wrong, but up into ninth, the new one in the top ten. 
Alex 05, Alex Costa still in the top 10. NT, David and Anne down to 7th. 147 Elite, Adam Finn Campbell down to 6th. Perferk Sake, Are You Blind? Joe Stone up into 5th. Daniel Kalim still in 4th place with the Red Devils. Berbershoff in 3rd, Andre Bergstrom. Just a quick one uh, on him. He is now yeah. a Patreon, Andre Bergstrom. Ah, and we will list our Patreons, our new Patreons this week, just after you finish this list of, of the league. All the best listeners are Patreons. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. They are, yeah. A lot more on that. And thank you for <laughs> if you're listening to this at an early stage. Thank you for your early support to all Patreons so far. In second place, we've still got Jay Eggersdorf. And we're seeing the class of him coming through. So 86 points this week. That's sort of 10, 10 to 15 more than anybody else in the um, mini league. So catching up on Lalana Land, Demir Tanay, score of 57 for the week, but still leading FPL outright with 1,185 points. And I have heard that he is using his wild card this week as well. Amazing well, that he's held just it this now. long. No, he's using it this week. Unbelievable. Yeah. Great stuff from the, uh, from the top 10 there. Keep on fighting, everybody. Lots of points to be earned. So, whilst we're on the subject of our podcast mini league and uh, our listeners, we also need to shout out our new Fancy Football Surgery Hall of Fame. So, these are those who have made the commitment to follow us and support us on Patreon. We thank them greatly for that. Um, really does help with developing the pod and being able to offer some great prizes. If you're interested in prizes, I'll tell you about how to go and access that at the moment. But the Hall of Fame currently, top of the list, uh, we've got Mr. Tom Campbell, who is with us today. So thank you, Tom. Long overdue. I think it's uh, (laughs) just great that everyone can support. Now, you guys have been doing this for ages. It must take you forever. Hmm. So, uh, no, my pleasure. Very much a friend of the pod. And we've got Steve Griffin, FPL Stato, supporting us. Mike A, thank you for that, Mike. We've got Mika, previous podcast guest on a couple of occasions. We've got FPL Mediocrity. We've got the big FPL Sexy, that's Brett. Uh, we've got Andre Bergstrom, who we've just uh, pointed out there in our top 10, really consistent FPL performer, and Justin Dye as well. Thank you, Justin. So um, if you're interested in joining the support for the podcast, fantasyfootballsurgery.com forward slash Hall of Fame. Uh, and Iceman, write me with the link for the for Patreon. So it's patreon.com forward slash fantasyfootballsurgery. You can find us there. All the rewards are kind of listed there, where you can get our new Slack channel, which is getting busier and busier as the week goes on. Getting some good FPL chat in there. And yeah, if you want to join us, there's uh, lots of pledges and rewards you can get there. Excellent, yes. So another way for us to interact with you and hopefully reward you all for supporting us and your loyal support over the last few years. So thank you for that. So, Iceman, let's get down to the business of the next few weeks. Uh, it's going to be a busy one. Yes, it will. We've got this weekend to do now, so we're going to go through the fixtures for this particular podcast. But the next podcast we do, which we're hoping we're going to actually do it on the 23rd on the Saturday, on that one we're going to have to cover, I think, three game weeks because you've obviously got your wedding on the 30th. Yes, uh, I received a bill for it today. It's a bit pricey. Oh, does it? <laughs> Please pledge on Patreon, pay for my wedding. No, no, it's, not, it's not for them. It's not for them. Not for them. So, yeah, we'll be covering a few game weeks for that one because we won't be able to pod until the 6th. 
after the 23rd, I believe. It's going to be a busy period for us. Very busy period. Well, I think it's sensible that we cover the next game week in depth, and then in the next podcast we'll have a think about how we go about that. So, let's get into it. So, uh, our favourite topic, Iceman, we've got the Arsenal taking on Liverpool. 7.45 kickoff on Friday night. First warning to all you listeners, make sure your team is done on the Friday. Don't leave it till Saturday morning. Arsenal versus Liverpool. So first thing I'm going to say on this is that we can expect probably something fairly similar to the 11 that started at the weekend in this one. And that, that most interesting one for me here, because Kolasinac is playing as we speak against West Ham. And Wenger's uh, actually gone with Maitland-Niles for the last couple of games. So I'm actually a little bit concerned. I've got Kolasinac in my team. I don't think he's nailed for this one, even though I think he's absolutely our best left-back. Not convinced he's going to start this one. Yeah, I, I think I agree with that. It's, I mean, he started tonight, so if he is going to play at the weekend, he's, you know, he's going to be quite tired. But I don't think he is, because Wenger seems to have... Now that Wilshere's back in the team, it looks like we needed that extra player in midfield. So he's now taken that one out of the defence playing a back four and then Maitland-Niles is there for now but I'm not sure if he's going to stay there so everyone who's thinking oh Maitland-Niles who doesn't play in defence oh we must captain Salah this week I think that Mustafi will be back following his uh, his thigh injury and I think he could join Koscielny at centre-back seeing um, Monreal moves across to left-back so I think that's gonna, how it's going to switch I mean I don't know Wenger's very hard to read it's a bit weird because I don't actually know what class has done to lose his place so I thought he was actually playing quite well which is very yeah. harsh on whoever's got him like yourself but that's what I think is going to happen that's kind of talking in a football point of view but if if you're thinking about a captaincy on Salah I still think Arsenal were very strong at home this season two clean sheets in the last two so I, I would not be captain in Salah for this particular game yeah I, I fancy Salah to the net but, uh, but I agree maybe not uh, maybe with a cap on him perhaps um, the other one I'm interested in, Ice Man, you spoke about Ozil a few weeks ago, and actually, great goal against Newcastle at the weekend. Lovely volley. Yeah. As he approaches the uh, the January transfer window, you know, you don't know what is. Uh, where he is at the moment, potentially put himself in the shop window with some performances. Oh yeah, well he, he's not really been like uh, Alexis, has he? He's kind of still, he kind of looked like he's trying every game. He's been direct, directly involved in six goals in his last five Premier League games, so he's, he's on a roll at the moment really. I wouldn't necessarily bring him in for this this game. And he's at, he's at that price point which is very difficult to fit in your team considering the other options you can have, but... If you've got him, I'll probably hang on to him. But yeah, I wouldn't necessarily be going for him. Okay. Anyone else on Iceman from Arsenal that you like in this fixture? Standing out for you recently? Well, a lot of people are looking at Alexis. Yeah, he's got that potential to to explode. Obviously, you wouldn't be bringing him in for this game alone. But he is actually on four yellows, and he he seems to be the one who just gives the ball away for Arsenal. He got dispossessed thirty four times against United, thirty two against Southampton. Didn't look particularly good against West Ham or Newcastle. So, I, I would be steering clear of him as well. So, in my eyes, no one from Arsenal at the moment. <laughs> No, I'm still keeping my um, my eye on the return of Aaron Ramsey. Tom, do you want to weigh in on Arsenal? Any thoughts on the players you've mentioned or anyone else you'd like yeah, to? Yeah, no, that's all good thoughts, guys. I think a little thing on Arsenal. So looking at the form table, they're kind of they're in eighth place at the moment. And that looks over the last six fixtures. So sort of slightly above average, three wins, but only nine goals um, in that period. And that included five in one game when they absolutely hammered Huddersfield. Just a point on the defence as well, they have got back-to-back clean sheets in Premier League now, which is um, obviously good going into 
for this fixture. And I think that's something that they're going to need to rely on because they've lost their last three games to Liverpool, shipping 11 goals in that in the process. And looking at, at, at Liverpool as well, you mentioned the point about Arsenal being strong at home, uh, Jim, and, and they are. Liverpool are quality on the road at the moment as well. They got off the back of a thumping win against sort of a hapless Bournemouth in the last game. And they've put 12 goals away in their last three away games. So it's a hard game to call because they're two quality, quality sides. I think Arsenal, Ozil, I really like the look of anyway, 9.3 mil. He's actually averaging over 10 points a game, 10.6 a game week over the last five. It really was an awesome goal in the, the 1-0 victory over Newcastle. Um, how he anticipated that defensive header was just the mark of a, of a brilliant player, really. Did you say he was um, averaging... 20 attempted... Sorry, did you say he was averaging how many? 10.6 points a game week over the last five. Really? Oh, nice. Yeah, mm. yeah. So he's kind of quietly being really, really effective in that role. I, I mean, I, I love Ozil. He's, he's that drip feeder points. I think he's hard, a hard player to ever captain. Yeah, but um, you, you do get value for money. I think if you're happy to kind of wait it out with him over a prolonged period, twenty attempted assists and um, four shots on target over the last five. So g- good stats for him. So you know that's it from the Arsenal side. Um, bully. I think their their upcoming fixtures after the Liverpool game of Palace and West Brom away before the home match against Chelsea. I've looked at fixtures up until Jan first. You know the kind of mad period of games we've got upcoming. So although they're two away games, they're nice away games really, and then the, the big London derby. So not bad fixtures. I think really only Ozil interested me. I did look at Lacazette, but he's only played 90 minutes twice this season. I don't know what you guys' thoughts are on that, but yeah, that would just put me off as an owner. You don't want to bring in someone who's always getting subbed off. It's just, even when he is scoring, he still gets subbed off. So it's like, I wouldn't bring yeah, in no, anyone no. who's always going to come off at some point. Wenger seems to have some sort of agenda with the guy. I don't know what it is. <laughs> it's so weird, isn't yeah. he? He spent like sort of 50 mil on him and then only plenty played him 90 minutes in twice in the first half of the season but there you go that was it so that's it from an, an Arsenal side bullying okay so um and in terms of Liverpool I mean surely if we've got Salah he's got to play oh yeah he's oh, definitely yeah. got to play uh, yeah. yeah I think the the, the only th- the only interesting matchup here is going to be if he plays on the left hand side he's probably got the only right back in the league who's probably anywhere near as quick as him in Bellerin so I'll be interested to see if Wenger plays with three at the back whether he'll go with the basic flat back four against him. The, the thing is with Salah is it's kind of a moot point now. He's 75% owned in active squads. Yeah. So, I mean, he's got 20 goals already. If you don't have him, you know, buy him immediately. But yeah. if he scores, it doesn't really gain you anything. You, you actually tend to lose unless you've captained him. So yeah. he's kind of in that Mares two seasons ago sort of status where everyone's got him. It just comes down to whether or not you're going to captain him as to whether or not it's ever going to benefit you. That's how I see him anyway. Yeah, see, this is the point of where Monreal is probably going to play left-back, I believe, because he's a bit mm. more defensive-minded. He's not lightning-quick, and I do think he could probably give Salah a good He is a defender, time. mate. That's a, it's a good shout, though, um, Jim. I really like that. I hadn't even thought about how they were going to match up. Yeah, because... But did you see how Charlie Daniels was just ruined by him in the last game? So... I like your idea of that flat back four and, and going to someone who does play left back and, and doesn't want to or, or isn't potentially going to be um, so forward thinking. It's, yeah. it, it might work out. Yeah, either that or Wenger's a tactician mastermind, which we know he's not, and he's war- <laughs> he's warmed up um, Maitland Niles, who is quick uh, for that left back yeah. position, and he's planning on playing him against this Liverpool team because he's been playing in the last couple of yeah. games, but. I doubt that yeah. that's the case. 
Any, anyone else from Liverpool chaps before we go on too much about we this? Got mention, do you want to mention Coutinho? Go on, mate. Yeah, go on. Yes, yeah. in form. I mean, he's been he's been directly involved in 14 goals in his last 10 away games for Liverpool in all competitions. So there's eight goals, six assists. He's on 80 points this season, and that's 7.9 points on average per game that he started that he's scoring. I mean, he scored a great goal in the last game against Bournemouth. Great skill and composure on the ball. He's always in the points. Last season, he was one of the men to have for Liverpool. He's involved in most mm. of Liverpool's attacks. He's got low ownership. It's just that rotation that Klopp's doing that isn't helping us really. If they weren't playing Arsenal, I would almost be bringing them in straight away. And if there weren't so many other options in terms of City in midfield, yeah, he he would be in my team. But uh, it's whether you kind of double off on Liverpool. I mean, because obviously everyone's going to have Salahs, whether you go both of them or not. Do you reckon that's a good shout at the moment going forward? I think I do. I'll tell you why. I looked at this is he's better away from home he got got the rotation you mentioned is in the last two home games so that was against Everton certainly um, when he got randomly um, rested and then in the other game I forget who it was against he only played 12 minutes in that but he's got 18 points and 13 points respectively against Brighton and Bournemouth in the last two away games so it looks like for some reason, I don't know what Klopp's, why Klopp's doing it, but the rotation tends to be when Liverpool are at home, he's given Coutinho less of less game time. He's great value, 9 mil. I mean, those stats you've reeled off, Jim, just reinforce the shout, really. It's, if you fancy doubling up on Liverpool, then I think for the extra point you get, defensive clean sheet and for a goal, he probably trumps Firmino, who's 8.6 mil. But goodness me, he's a tough player to own. I did for a long time and it was ages before he returned anything for me now. So I think I prefer the Coutinho shout personally. Yeah. It's like Marmite's. Right, chaps, I'm going to move us on because we've said mm. a lot about this fixture and there's three real big names jumping out there for me. Let's move on to the blue half of Liverpool and we're going to go Everton versus Chelsea. Now, the, the name on everybody's lips at the moment has got to be Wayne Rooney. He scored his 10th goal in the league this season already. Clearly, he's on penalties even when he's missing penalties. And uh, with uh, with Big Sam as his manager, just seems to be thriving. Tom, what are, what are your thoughts on Rooney? A bit conflicted, really. I did anticipate Rooney doing quite well when um, when Allardyce got the gig because he spoke so highly of him when he had the, his brief charge uh, spell in charge rather of the the national team. So yeah. I can And bearing in mind the kind of lack of other viable options um, up front, let's put DCL to one side for a moment. I did kind of expect him to do well. He's a nice price, seven point six mil. Like you say, six goals in five, averaging 9.8 points per game week over the last five. And he's now owned by one in five, pretty much, teams in FPL. So clearly a lot of people are fancying the option. Their fixtures, it's a hard fixture, isn't it, the Chelsea one? They're in good form. Then they follow up with a couple of away matches, West Brom and Bournemouth, before they face Rooney's old team, Man United, at home. So pretty good fixtures either side of two two tough ones. I think it just depends, as ever, on the makeup of your front line. If you've got uh, enough to spend on them as a third striker, then great. I'm not quite sure I'm seeing him as that second striker personally, and that's because I'm on the uh, lost, uh, sorry Dominic Calvert-Lewin train, and I don't fancy the double up on Everton offensive assets, uh, bully. But it, you know, in isolation, 
he's he's doing the business. He is, but I, I did have a look, and he's converted thirty three point three percent of his shots from open play at the moment, and that's that's kind of the best he's ever done. So I'm just wondering, is it sustainable? I don't know if it is. Uh, to me, I yeah, he's playing in the reverse role he should be. He's more or less playing in midfield. I know I know he scored and got two assists, but his stats aren't great. He's got seven attempts on goal mm. in his last four, and that's fifteenth. He didn't play very well, did he? Jim? No, in the yes. last game, you know, he got a great point return, but he didn't play very well. He gave the ball away a lot, you know. And if you just look at FPL and output, he's ticking the boxes there, but. I'm not surprised about those stats you've just reeled off because it's his performance. I mean, he said it in the interview on Monday Night Football after the game. He's like, don't use this as a highlights reel because he, he had a poor game. He gave it away heaps. Yeah, I just don't think he's going to be a great option long term. Maybe short term for some odd games, but if you're yeah, yeah if you're putting your money in investment in him going long term, I, I wouldn't. And again, it's that Calvert Lewin thing, isn't it? So you know, if you just talk about that for a moment, so five point four mil. He's played 90 minutes a game since game week 13, and he's averaging over five points a game week in that period. For that value, that's good. That's that's good enough yeah, for me. Yeah, yeah. That, for that for that money, two goals in the last six and two assists in the same period. One in three of the teams in the top thousand managers now own him as well. I think that that kind of speaks volumes as well. So, doubling up on Everton offensive coverage for me isn't a, a terrific play no. and I think Calvert-Lewin represents the better value yeah I, I totally agree with that the only thing is he actually sits second for points per million among fours at the moment and guess who he's second to it's Rooney not, not Ro- yeah yeah not Rooney himself is yeah, it yeah. yeah do you think that assist for that that penalty was I guess it's the rules but oh, that's so fortunate to get that anyway that's a different discussion I guess <laughs> no, I think you're absolutely right about, about um Really, chaps, it's just it's an opposite case. He's not passing the eye test. However, nineteen bonus points this season, ten goals, three assists. I mean, if that if that's Harry Kane, then we're uh, we're, we're happy with that, aren't yeah, we? That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. Possible option. I like the idea of Calvert Lewin as well. Certainly seems to be in favour with Big Sam. The, yeah, the only other one from an Everton side was um, was John. Kenny. Yeah, um, yeah John John Kenny. He's at four point four mil, and he seems to be playing every game right now. So he's been in since game week nine. And it is a great enabler. So I mentioned their fixtures. Yes, it's a tough game this weekend, but for that kind of money, you know, you're not expected to play him every game, and and he's he's representing a a, a top asset really. He's I noticed a little thing that in the same period he's got 131 on the bonus point system compared to Calvert Lewin's 87. So that's a route to points as well. So I mean, I I don't own him yet, but I think that's about to change because I think he's a he's a good value option. As long as you guys aren't now going to tell me that Seamus Coleman's sort of imminently back, because I don't, I don't know about him actually. I don't know how close he is to a return. Yeah. Um, if he's not close, then I think he's um, that Kenny looks like a, a decent shout. Yeah, I mean he's not really he's not really close. It's more like end of January time oh, yeah. open, so by then like you've probably lots of game weeks points. away. Yeah, exactly. yeah. That was all my thoughts from Everton side. I don't really? know if you've got anyone else, Jim. Well, the only thing is, is Siggy becoming consistent yet? He's got three goals and two assists from his last seven game weeks. Mm. Quite a lot. The only thing is, is, again, at that price bracket of eight mil, which you can just find better elsewhere. So it's a bit of a punt if you're playing like a head-to-head mini league and you just want to choose different players. But I wouldn't go there. 
He's an FPL darling, though, isn't he? It doesn't take much for us to get excited when he starts playing well, does he, with the, all the history he's got. Yeah. Um, I hadn't actually looked at him when prepping for this, but yeah, nice shout. I suppose the only other one which okay. I would kind of shout from Everton is Pickford in goal 4.8. They have been keeping some clean sheets recently. He's fairly cheap, not bad fixtures going forward. If you're looking at another option for your keeper, I think he's probably a good bet. It's a good point, actually, especially with Allardyce there and three clean sheets in, in five, so... Yeah, it's a nice value as well, actually. Pickford, 4.8. Not a, not a bad rotation option mm. there, I suppose, potentially. Okay. Well, let, let's talk a bit about Chelsea then, chaps, because we've named half the Everton starting lineup there. So, what, what about Chelsea? Uh, Iceman, how do you see them moving forward? Yeah, I think that Chelsea at the back is where to go. It's just you're expecting more goals from them, really. They're not scoring the goals that we want them to, which is why me having Morata and Hazard does pain me a little bit. But Morata has been out a couple of games, and I think that does affect Hazard's output because he's playing in that false nine position. And I think when Morata is back, which it should be this week, I think Hazard's going to be a bit more threat going forward for for Chelsea. With with their defence, though, if you do have one of their defenders, you can choose between Christensen, Alonso or Aspilicueta. But for me, it's Christensen because he's just the cheaper one. And they have still got some decent fixtures, Chelsea. That's why I'm kind of holding on to Morata and Hazard this week. There was a there was a question from Nick Greenwood. He's just put, keep Hazard or get rid for De Bruyne. Now, what are your thoughts on that, Tom? So, I mean, I, I don't know if you saw De Bruyne's performance against um, yeah. Spurs, but it was another absolutely mesmeric display. So... I couldn't criticise anyone for making that move, but I just echo your thoughts really on Hazard's output seems to be better when he's playing in his rightful position, as you'd expect, which is basically when Morata's fit, because that's why he just doesn't get a look in under Conte. Yeah. And as you mentioned, Morata's going to be back this weekend. So I, I think it's a viable transfer, in my view, because Man City have got Bournemouth, and as we'll come on to um, when we look at that fixture, De Bruyne is, looks assured of his selection. I say sort of... You know, touch wood, never, never quite tell with that. Yeah. But he, he does seem to seem to be the one that's immune from this this crazy rotation. I mean, I'm a great believer in Hazard. You and I have, have bitched about it over the last eighteen months or so as to whether or not he's worth owning. <laughs> I think this is ten point nine mil, so he's more expensive. Nine point four points per game week over the last nine. That's kind of fine. That's good. You'd want it to be around there for that sort of outlay. But four of those games have seen three or less points, and that's what tests his owners. He's not always getting 90 minutes. He rarely does in any of his seasons. Even when he got to 220 points last season, he still wasn't getting 90 minutes every week. And as you mentioned, that false nine really does impact his FPL output. Although I watched the game against Huddersfield and he walked away with three points, but he really should have had two assists. It's not his fault that Pedro finish was just so tame. So it's kind of a bit unfair on him, really, judging that output because he created such a brilliant chance that you know nine times out of ten Pedro would convert. Chelsea's fixtures—they got this Everton game. They tightened up under Allardyce, but then they got Brighton and Stoke at home. Stoke are all at sea, and Brighton are one of the newly promoted sides. So I can understand the move, but unless you, unless it's your only kind of thing in your team, I don't think I'd be making that move right now. No, I. I think I agree with you. I mean, I, I compared the stats between the two uh, for the last four game weeks, and Hazard comes highest for expected goals. He's on 
2.39 to KDV's uh, 0.5. Uh, KDV's highest for expected assists, as you would imagine, because he's evolved a lot more than Hazard in the general play, because he's on uh, 1.2 expected assists to Hazard's 0.4. And then Hazard obviously gets more dribbles than KDV. Hazard has more goal involvement than KDV. And baseline bonus, KDV wins that, obviously, again, because of the involvement. I mean, it looks like Hazard's just the more threatening. KDB is probably more creative. It's just that KDB can score from anywhere, but it always seems to be from uh, from outside the box, or he has a load of shots from outside the box. And it does show on their penalty area touches. Hazard is on 32 touches to KDB's just eight. So that's where you're going to get your points in, in my eyes with Hazard, with the goals, and especially now Morata's back. Obviously, we saw when he last played with Morata full game, he got nine shots on goal. I think it was against Newcastle. So he's just he seems to be shooting more, and that's the reason why I brought him in. And then Morata got injured, and then he hasn't played the last two game weeks. Uh, so I think hold on to him, and I do think you'll still get a return. That's a compelling case to be fair I think the only thing I would say muddies the water slightly from a KDB side is I noticed that because of the sort of curious absentee of David Silva I don't, really don't want to speculate on that because there's been some some stuff on Twitter which we don't know about but right now he's not training it just seemed to be that KDB played a little bit further advanced as a result of Silva not being in the team and I just wonder if that does continue then maybe that will affect where KDB plays in the team but it's a bit speculative at the moment so I think that's more one to watch and just be aware that De Bruyne is so versatile he could end up playing a bit further forward but again it's it's pretty um, speculative for me to say that I think we need to wait until Guardiola's press conference before we make any decisions based on the silver thing definitely it's it's a personal reason thing can I just mention Jim going back to your point on the Chelsea defence are you guys Christians and owners I am either of you I am and you Bully uh, I'm not actually no I have, I've been no. focusing more on attack than defence of my transfers recently yeah I understand that so I mean he, he represents great value 5.6 mil at the moment you mentioned the good fixtures upcoming uh, the away match at Arsenal is obviously a tough one but he's played 90 minutes in six of the last eight and 79 I think it was in in each of the other two so touch wood right now he looks pretty nailed Alondo's the one though as ever if yeah. you're willing to pay the 7.0 mil, I looked at it and I couldn't believe it. I had to run the numbers twice, but he's running, he's got, getting over 11 points a game week over the last seven. Huh. And I mean, we've mentioned some of the other players. That's that's top of the top of the pops, really, for that. So yeah. he's justifying his cost. I don't own him. I, I just can't bring myself to spend that much on a defender. But if Maybe you've got him, got some. possibly, yeah, I, it would be a whole reason structure but uh, you can't argue with that output it's just phenomenal um i was really surprised he is very exciting to have alonso as well isn't he to have him and know that he could just get a goal any game i mean i had him all the last season the only reason i haven't got this season because of due to the price but uh Mm. yeah I i would love to own him yeah, phenomenal output there. And um, again, he's, he's showing that I'm definitely wrong to just rule out this uh, spending that amount on the defender because they're priced that much for a reason. And he's yeah, he's killing it. And they've got some great fixtures upcoming. So Christiansen for value. But um, yeah. yeah, Alonso's where the, the huge points are. So lads, I mean, that that's uh, fairly comprehensive over Chelsea's big hitters at the moment. Let's uh, move it on to Brighton versus Watford. So this is our first three o'clock kickoff. Of the uh, of the Saturday, so first of all, Tom, um, both mm. clubs have shown. I mean, more Watford than anything have shown promise this season. Who did you like in this fixture? Right, Billy. So these two sides are in 
filthy, disgusting form at the moment. They're both without a win in their last five. I mean, it's pretty depressing to be a supporter of either of those, I would imagine, right now. Having said that, Brighton sort of fared slightly better in that period. So they got two draws in those five, and those two draws involved two clean sheets. Whereas Watford have no clean sheets in that period, and they're, they're shipping plenty at the moment. So looking at the fixtures, Watford's actually looked decent. So they've got the away match with Brighton, followed by two home games with Leicester, who are currently playing extra time with Man City, and Swansea, before they have a tough one away at the Champions-elect Man City. And Brighton are also decent enough, so they've got this Watford home game, uh, away match with Chelsea, which is tough, then they travel to Newcastle, and then they host Bournemouth. So two t- sides really struggling, but they've both got nice, op- uh, nice fixtures upcoming. I didn't see loads of options though I don't know if Jim will have more than what I'm about to offer Watford have got so many defensive injuries including to one of my players Kiko Firmino and I think that really impacts them because he offers them balance on the flank so I think if you own a Brighton attacker and I know a lot of managers will still own Gross at 5.9 mil or even Iceman's favourite Glenn Murray 5.8 mil (laughs) um, I'd be playing them um, in this fixture because uh, as I say Watford have been conceding so many Having said that, to back up Jim's point on Murray, I thought you'd like this one, Jim. He's averaging less than two points a game week over the last seven, <laughs> which is just trash. Good. So just, uh, just. It re- that really is bad. I mean, just playing points would be would be your two points a week. So to be getting less than that is is a shambles, really. Um, the only other one I sort of I, I do want to talk about Richardson, but um, the only other one I mentioned before we get to him is um, Dunk four point four mil. And it's more about the nice price with those fixtures. I mean, he did get eight in the last game week and three of the next four, as I say, looked decent enough. Looking back to the reverse fixture of this one, that was a nil-nil draw. So you could kind of see that possibly happening again. Although me saying Watford keep a clean sheet seems a bit of a stretch at the moment. They, they haven't got any form to back that up. Um, I will come on to Richarlison, but uh, okay. do either of you guys have any other thoughts or players? On this one? We've mentioned a couple of Brighton players there. Iceman, do you have any thoughts on Brighton at the moment? Um, I suppose you've got Duffy, who's banned for this game, so Connor Goldson might play. Whether he's a good backup or not, I don't know. So that kind of heightens the Richarlison discussion, which we'll have in a moment. Whether or not, because Dunk and Duffy have been playing together for ages, and that's how they keep clean sheets through those two. Uh, also, just quick one on Dunk, he almost scored from a corner, so he's still got that attacking threat. He might be good if you can work out a rotation for those good fixtures which he's got. So if we just move on to Watford. So we had a question from FPL Doctor. He's just put, has the Richarlson bandwagon ended? Watford in terrible form. So what's your opinions on that? Bully, I'll, I'll ask you first. I've got him and he's the one I'm actually looking at potentially transferring out this week. I know they've got Brighton, but just just not seeing the, the attack in return from them. They had Dini sent off. Yeah, he's the one I'm looking at actually taking out now. The problem's going to be finding someone in a similar price bracket. Can I can I uh, just argue I, for him? I'm just going to argue for uh, Richarlison here. So, save me, tell you what, save me a transfer, Iceman. I, I will try to. So look, looking at why he hasn't scored, I, I think he's got some good excuse why he hasn't scored recently. I mean, he had Man United and Spurs, which he blanked, and then obviously you're not expecting much there. And then uh, Watford has had a player sent off against Burnley, which he then blanked. And then they had the next two games, which they also had a player sent off in each game. So he's been affected by his team. Yeah, he's been let down by his team because they're always going down to 10 men. That's the third game running which has happened. I mean, he only got two attempts on goal 
in the last game. Both weren't on target, but he's clearly still Watford's best player. And that's what you yeah. try and do in FPL. You try and look for that best player in, in all of these lower teams so you can find value in players. I still think that he is going to be the most valuable player because still with 85 points he's got so far this season, that's 4.7 points per game. So it just shows you're buying a... How, how much is these? 6.4... 6. 6.6. Oh, 6.6, yeah. mate. That's, that's my sale value. Yeah, yeah. so so 6.6. So for that price, 4.7 points dripping into your team. I can't see why why you want to get rid. I know he's blank recently, but don't let that affect you. He's still getting good stats. He's still getting chances. And it's all about predicting what's going to happen. They've got good fixtures coming up in Brighton, Leicester and Swansea. I can see at least one goal there. So for me, do not sell. You're going to keep him. Yeah. And Tom? Um, right, um... I think I'm going to come down on the side of, of Jim's argument. I'm an owner as well. So I looked, I mean, it's, it's, it is probably the, the main point for this game week, people wondering what to do with him. And it's for a number of different reasons. So I looked at his performances over the last five game weeks. So it's 2.6 a game week over that period, registering uh, one assist. 13 shots, which is, you know, decent, but only one on target. So, you know, on the scout cast, they mentioned he's just not very accurate at finisher. That'll improve, I'm sure. Three attempted assists in that period. I looked at a comparable uh, midfielder of the same sort of value. So I looked at Lanzini, who is now banned. But just to give a kind of barometer, Lanzini had 11 attempted assists in that period. So his stats are kind of okay, even though he hasn't been returning. Not brilliant, but okay. What I thought it was really interesting is he only got he's only got nine BPS, not nine bonus points, nine BPS in that period. Unbelievable. He got negative bonus points in two games. I think Watford, though, do absolutely rely on him. He's clearly massively talented. No Deeney again. He's having four games off so he can stuff his face over Christmas. Um, but I, I think I think for me, there's there's probably two other things going on with Richarlison. So you've got his, his lack of kind of potency, if we're being harsh. But we've also now got somebody by the name of Paul Pogba, who's now available again. So I know he's a, a bit more expensive. Well, quite a bit more, actually, sort of 1.3 mil more expensive. But if people are on the side of taking Harry Kane out of their team, which I'm sure we'll talk about at length when we come on to the Spurs fixture, then you could kind of understand the rationale for seeing, not looking for a like-for-like with Richarlison, but looking for an upgrade and spending that Kane money elsewhere and upgrading. So I think I'm with Jim. I'm going to trust him. He was really good earlier on in the season. I think he's still playing well enough to warrant a slot, and I like Watford's fixtures. But I can see the case for for selling personally i won't be but i can see the case for it i I just think people need to take into account that the fact that watford have had a player sent off in the last three games that's going to affect richardson's stats there's no question about it and then they had spurs and man united but before those last three games like you've got to look at it like that he's had a good excuse why he's been blanking and that's why i'm thinking agree he's he's still got potential I, I don't think it's a fire to be put out. That's the, at this time, time of the season where you've got loads of fixtures and you're looking for assuredness of selection. They're not going to have their talismanic captain. <laughs> that's, they're going to be that's reliant. A good, that's a good point because Gray, Gray should start up front with him and I think they play better with him because of that pace up I, front. I agree. I agree they, they, they play better with him. But mm. also it means, again, they're going to be more relying on him even more than they were with you know when Dini was available. So... He's another one who you'd expect to play the majority of the minutes over this manic Christmas period. So anyone who you bring in, you're going to need to be sure that they're going to be playing a lot of the games as well, Bully. So 
unless he's your only one that you're thinking about, I'd be holding the transfer as well. I think that's a compelling argument. Traps, you may just have swayed me there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, especially with Ramsey injured as well, I think he's another one who would have been in that price bracket that you'd be looking at. So, okay, well, let's move on to, to the uh, most informed team in the world. Mm-hmm. But before, the before we do, Pete, sorry, just a quick one. Uh, Decorier is actually banned as well for this game, so I don't know if that's going to affect Watford. Okay. Um, right, so let's move on to uh, to the City against Bournemouth game then. So, um, a few clues tonight who might be starting at the weekend again if you look at City's lineup. Tom, they've just been absolutely runaway train this season, haven't they? Oh, it's just unbelievable and they're absolutely irrepressible. They, the, the way they dismissed Tottenham, a, a good Tottenham team, who were having a rough season actually, was was really impressive actually on the, on the weekend. I mean, you, you mentioned the fact that we've got clues of selection uh, bully. I don't think you can read too much into that. Pep's mind is, uh, you could have Stephen Orkin looking at that and he wouldn't be able to un- <laughs> unravel that mystery. So I think it's a usual quandary for selection. Their fixtures are awesome, though. They've got this plum fixture against Bournemouth. They follow that with two away matches of Newcastle and Palace, uh, respectively, and then they've got Watford at home. So right now, I think you need to be loading up on, on City and, you, and you, you pick your poison and you accept that people might be selected. So personally, I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on this. I think viable strategy is to treble up on Man City and then accept that you can't captain one of those three players because of that risk over rotation. Perhaps other than the aforementioned Kevin De Bruyne, who's 10.3 mil. Again, I'll probably have egg on my face now, but he seems the only person immune from rotation. So 86 minutes on average for the season. So that's over the full 18 game weeks. He's averaging 7.4 points over the last eight game weeks with four double-digit returns in that period. He's beating Hazard in assists and big chances created and attempted assists, although I take your point earlier, Iceman, about the the kind of goals and the uh, attacking threat that Eden Hazard um, offers. His BPS is remarkable. So I could kind of understand a captaincy on De Bruyne if if you're accepting that kind of ceiling that's, that's in place with him. The other option I did want to mention before we talk about the other offensive guys is Otamendi. 6.2 mil. It's actually getting quite high now. I got I was quite early on that one. But he seems nailed on. And he's got two double-digit returns in his last four game weeks. So Man City have conceded in three of the four of their last four Prem games. But despite that, he's a centre-half, obviously. He's averaged over seven points per game week in that period. So, you know, there's points coming from that, even when they concede, which is a nice luxury to be getting. And I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on the Sterling-Sane debate. There's only 0.1 mil in it at the moment. So Sterling's 8.5 mil and Sane's 8.6. So they're both great options for me. I love both players, actually. I think I actually prefer Sane as a player, but Sterling's had 18 shots in his last five games, which is awesome attacking sort of potency there. He's played every minute remarkably in that period as well, averaging 7.8 points per game week over the last six. Sane, you definitely say, is less assured of game time. He hasn't really played that much, but did notice he was excellent in the Spurs game. So I just wondered what either of your thoughts were on the the choices between those two. Uh, I've gone with Sterling just because I think even when he comes off the bench when they're rotated, he seems to to net. I mean, his return this season has just been fantastic. He did miss... Uh, an open goal at the weekend as well, so that's uh, that's still a frustration with him. But yeah, Sane was you know absolutely fantastic in form. I just think in terms of numbers, Sterling's going to keep doing it at the moment the way they're playing. Yeah, I, I agree with you in the uh, Sterling Sane as in like Sane's 
the better player, but Sterling is the man to have for me. I mean, like he mm. always seems to finish off City's moves. He's always in the box just to get that tap in. I mean, he could have had about five against Spurs. He, had, he could, couldn't he? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was ridiculous. It's unbelievable. Bully yeah. saying he's missed out open goals. Well, he had uh, six shots, three on target, two goals. He created three chances, but he ended up with no bonus because he misses so many big chances. But it just shows that he is getting those big chances. He's just becoming a much better player under Pep. He is first for touches in the box over the whole season. So people are looking at him as a captain option this week, and I can kind of see why. He's second to Salah for goal scored out of the midfielders with 11. <clears throat> he's a joint top for midfielders for attempts on goal over the last four. Um, he's top for attempts in the box over the last four, top for big chances over the last four. And killing it, isn't he? Yeah, and, and yeah, this, ta- this time it. last year, he got a hat-trick against Bournemouth. The, oh, nice. game, the games which they played, the last two games at the Etihad, City smashed Bournemouth 5-1 and 4-0. So this has got written all over it for to return, if he starts. <laughs> but you, that, I mean, he doesn't seem to could, be... If you could tell me right now he's, he's starting, he'd yeah. have his armband tattooed, wouldn't he? You'd just, you'd just be giving it to him for sure. It's just that you don't quite ever really know. I guess the, the fact Man City are playing a penalty shootout you're talking now and yeah, Sterling hasn't featured. Well, Sterling's um, not even in the squad. Good... Sterling, KDB, exactly. Osmendi so... and Aguero not the... in the squad. The should, one I'm should. really interested in from from City at the moment is uh, is Gundogan because I think whenever he comes back he just looks like absolute gold. But um, of course the injury record isn't great and he's played the 90 minutes tonight. So and that depends um, on on Silver, doesn't it? It does depend on Silver. I still think even when he's fully fit, I do think he's a player that Pep likes because he's like that that kind of low centre of gra- gravity kind of Xavi type build links the play up and he can get forward and score a goal as well. So. I'm waiting for him to come good and show some signs of fitness. He would be a great bargain option. He would be. Five million to get into the City midfield. Five point, whatever it is. Okay, anyone else from City, chaps? Not for me. No. No. No? Okay, what about Bournemouth then? So, I don't really fancy their chances in this one. No. Steer clear. Steer clear. Anyone from from them really for you? Uh, No. Uh, Just a quick one. Daniels is, is now injured, so if you've got him, you've probably be looking to move him out they've also got some is he though I think that he, I think he put that on just you to reckon? get away from Salah he was oh, getting maybe. absolutely <laughs> destroyed by Salah uh, he might be on, right the, on the weekend yeah. but you wouldn't want to play him in, uh, at the Etihad anyway they got no. decent fixtures after though they got West Ham at home and Everton at home followed oh, yeah. by Brighton away so yeah. if you've had ended up having to keep Charlie Daniels I know some people have over this rough run then you know it might get to the stage because he's going to be playing every game once he gets back from that injury I was only kidding before that <laughs> Um, you know, 4.9 mil those three games after Man City aren't too bad so mm. it might be worth holding but do yeah. not play him for this fixture before we move on so I'm just going to say uh, as Bournemouth as a team they're actually the worst for beating big sides they've got one point from a possible 30 this season against the top sides they are second highest for expected goals against for this season when away so a few stats there which is kind of cementing that City captain if you are daring to do it Okay, yeah, so some nice extras for uh, for Bournemouth there, Iceman. Right, okay, so let's go to uh, Saints Saints next. So if you've got a player in Charlie Austin bag on form, do you, would you play him or would you bench him for Gabby Adini? 
Oh god, yeah, it's oh, ridiculous, god. isn't it? Why why is Austin getting benched? Like as soon as he came on, they almost scored. His first shot was on target. Yeah. I think that was their first shot on target as well. He should start as the lone striker of Southampton if you've yeah. got him. I'd even be considering captaining him against Huddersfield, but they seem to be a little bit back in form with their win at the weekend. Yeah, I agree. I couldn't believe Austin was benched. 6.2 mil. Looked good when he came on. Could and should have scored. Surely he'll get back into the team now for Saints. But other than Huddersfield, I mean, they've got Palace in four fixtures times, but they're away at Spurs and United after the Huddersfield game. So tough run of games for them but he should be making the team they don't score without him and with him in the team they look better crazy not to be playing him yeah it just it just seems bizarre that he wasn't playing but we can expect him to start this weekend i think saints need to need the three points there and they do they haven't won in five games actually it's quietly a pretty poor run but they did give a better account against chelsea to be fair i like i like to think that they're going to uh, listen to the feedback from fans and, and give him the game he deserves this weekend anyone else from saints chaps at all no on at the moment no, not for me. Not for me either. Okay. Well, they play They play Huddersfield, who again keep uh, turning in some decent performances. A little bit Jekyll and Hyde, but uh, I spent anyone from uh, Huddersfield? I suppose if you're looking at that cheap option striker, Kwana, maybe a consideration, but it's his minutes which are the problem. And uh, he did get 90 in the last game. Didn't play against Chelsea, but he's played the last few before that. 4.5, got an assist in the last game, so... Uh, maybe that cheap option if you wanted to go all the way down if you can't quite afford Calvert-Lewin. They've got some good fixtures coming up, so that's the only reason, really. They do. Away at Southampton, home to Stoke, home to Burnley, and away at Leicester in the next four. So I I can understand somebody getting someone in. Mounier, 5.7 mil, randomly benched after a break against Brighton. Yeah. Uh, Moy, 5.3 mil. He got a great haul in the last game week, game week 18 of 15 points, but, you know, hadn't had done anything for ages before that. But he will play every game and their fixtures are good, so I can, can kind of understand him, but I, I looked at this one and not heaps of options for me. Okay. Um, well, doesn't sound like this one's going to be too popular with us then. What about uh, Stoke versus West Brom then, Tom, if I come back to you for this one? Oh, exciting. Um, yeah, I know, another quality game this one. So, again, <laughs> both teams are in awful, shambolic form. Yeah. Uh, one win for Stoke in the last five, none for West Brom in five. So, can't see loads of FPL options or interest in this one. And I, I looked at this and it's quite a nice stat you guys will enjoy that if you look across the last five game weeks for both sides, not a single player has scored or assisted more than one goal, which is just dreadful. Be all so, what what, what yeah. to the league? So Stokes fixtures are nice enough. They've got this West Brom game followed by Huddersfield, tough game against Chelsea and then a nice fixture at home to Newcastle. But they were awful against us, us being West Ham. Could have conceded like double figures. Shawcross, 4.8 mil, did have two good chances. He and he post, actually he? appears. He did, yeah, and he could have scored again with a good chance. Yeah. Appears fit enough, actually. He's got this sort of perennial back he problem. But he's played every every game since game week nine. So I can't recommend a Stoke defender because they were so poor against us. But he represents all right value and has got some good history, I guess. Going back to our Richarlison discussion, we didn't mention Shakiri as a potential replacement with those fixtures, 6.2 mil. I won't be going there, but um, I can understand the appeal as he kind of scores the occasional worldie, 4.3 points per game week in his last six, but not for me, really. And West Brom, not no options at all, in my opinion. They're just not playing well enough. They haven't won in the Prem this season when Evans has played, which I thought was an incredible stat, really. So they look... Better with Burke on the ball. He's five mil, which is too much. So I don't have any recommendations from West Brom. 
Yeah, let's just face it. There's not really any from either teams for me. I mean, like Stokes, their defence is shocking against West Ham. Hughes is probably the worst manager ever. And they're playing against West Brom, which uh, no <laughs> options. So, yeah, no options for... Move on, for yeah. Move yeah, on, move yeah. on. <laughs> Brutal. Right, yeah, I'm not particularly excited about this one either. Swansea versus Palace. So, Roy's doing a job down at Palace. A win at the weekend, Benteke on the score sheet. Some potential promise there. Swansea, I'm still not that enthused by, so potentially Zaha could be an option this one. What are your thoughts on that, Iceman? Yeah, Zaha is more or less the catalyst for the change in Palace's fortune. Since he's been back, they've looked better. I know Benteke is actually banned for this game, so I think Sacco is going to be the one that's going to replace up front with with Zaha, and that's probably heightening his um, attacking threat with him with Benteke out. Because since Benteke's come back, Zaha doesn't look like he's getting that many points going forward. I think when he was away before, it was him and Townsend up front, and he looked more. Th- threatening so I reckon with with Zacco playing with him that he's probably going to score higher I, I think that he's still pretty good option 6.9 he's low owned as well 5.7% owned I can see some goals from Crystal Palace here and I can probably see Zaha getting a couple of points so okay uh, Tom what are your thoughts on Zaha uh, no I'd echo everything Jim said there 6.9 mil great form back to back offensive returns can score against anyone so although they've got you know a nice fixture against Swansea followed by two really difficult fixtures of Arsenal and Man City at home followed by an away match against Southampton and you know you could you could easily see Zaha scoring against any opposition really the way he plays so really like him as an option Loftus cheek 4.6 mil remains kind of nice fifth midfielder provided you're not expecting miracles for someone of that value did get plays every in the game, last he? game plays every game yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's exactly if you're not you know, it's all about your expectation level with someone at 4.6, in my view. Problem Swansea have got is they're just not very good. They just don't have enough good footballers in their side. So in a, you're playing football and you don't have the good footballers. It's a recipe <laughs> for disaster. And that's what they're finding. So um, they analysis. look like they're nailed on to go down. Yeah, uh, <laughs> hey, that's why they pay me the big bucks. So, um, they, they, they're trying hard. You know, they If they got in at half-time against Everton you know, Monday night at 1-0 up, they conceded that penalty right on half time possibly it could have been a different game and they've only conceded one goal in the last three home games which is you know solid enough and they've beaten Palace in each of their last three games I found as well so there's some hope for them but I just don't see where the goals are coming from Boney got injured after four minutes his hamstring's gone so that's him ruled out Abraham hasn't done anything for a while the only two names I saw on this one are the ones we've mentioned Bully which are Zaha and Loftus-Cheek I don't like the the options that Swansea provide outside of Fabianski, who does give you that save point potential. Okay, well, let's uh, let's move on to West Ham and Newcastle. And uh, I've got to say, I'm really liking the look of Arnautovic for West Ham at the moment. Leading the line, had a brilliant game against Arsenal, followed up with a goal the next week. Like his, he's gradually becoming an option again with Ramsey being out. I think he didn't want to go for Popper. I think he's always going to start for West Ham. What, what do you think of him as a, as a fan of the, uh, the Irons, Tom? Arnautovic is pretty mercurial, actually. So uh, he was so motivated in the game against Stoke. Clearly, his, his old employees and he got given a rough time by the fans and, and the manager, actually. But you don't get it every week from him. He seems a bit kind of, um, like I said, a bit mercurial. So he was awesome in that game. Could have scored many more than he did. And as you say, he's actually started up front, which I found really interesting. So the problem that we got with West Ham, we got this double game week in double game week twenty-two. So the fixtures read like this: we've got. The home fixture against Newcastle, which is a great fixture, as Newcastle are in absolute free fall at the moment. 
they've lost four on the bounce um, and only scored three in that period. So it's not really, really wretched run for them. Then we're away at Bournemouth. Then we got the blank, as you would expect, with the double game week following, which is a West Brom home game and the, the Spurs away, which will be super motivated for. So I think you probably do want to look to invest in West Ham. And I think you would probably say it's time to look at the cheaper defensive side. And there are heaps of options. So just going to run through them. You've got Adrian, 4.3 mil in goal. I think Adrian's going to keep his place in the side after three clean sheets, two wins and a draw since he's come back into the side. You've then got Ogbonna and Masuaku at 4.4 mil for both of those. More expensive, you've got Cresswell at 5 mil and Reed at 4.8 mil. And then Collins, who played his first game back in the last game week at 4.3 mil. The problem that I've got is that Reed, who's probably our best defender, was injured last week and he's back for game week 19. Mm. I follow us closely, as you can imagine. I've no idea what we're going to start with <laughs> in terms of the de- defensive lineup. That's the question you know, I was going to ask cut- you. Yeah, it, it's really, really hard. I think it's made slightly easier with the fact that Lanzini is suspended. So you could see him altering the makeup of the team and having uh, Masuaki playing more advanced on the left-hand side than he has been doing and then shoehorning Reed back into the centre of a back three. But it's total guesswork, I'm afraid, guys, because Reed was injured last season. Ogbon has been nailed for ages, but we haven't actually had everybody fit. And we will do this weekend, provided that there'd be no injuries in the Arsenal game today. I, I don't know the state of that. You've got, you got Font injured but, as well. Font injured, but he was criticised by the chairman as well and I, I don't know whether or not he that's marked his card really so he's another one that muddies the water but even with the ones I've mentioned and I haven't even mentioned Zabaleta on the right hand side it's hard to know who's definitely going to play I'd say Cresswell's probably the one you'd expect to play with Moyes' fondness of having like rock solid left back but he's five mil I, I think I'd take a punt on either Ogbonna or Masuaku if you need an outfield player. I went with Adrian because um, it was the cheapest option in and I've got a rotating goalkeeper. But it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a quandary. Yeah, I, I went with the Ogbonna one and uh, I went mm. with him because he's slightly higher on the uh, BPS points, so kind of more potential bonus, although it's kind of equal to Masuaku. They're, they're the two which kind of, I, yeah, kind of think, I think they're the only options in my eyes. And you also see Obono, he's kind of attacking from corners, he can get a goal, seems to be nailed at the moment. Masuaku, I think, could lose his place, uh, depending on when Reed's back, going back into the middle, pushing maybe Cresswell out to the left, so that could happen. Mm -hmm. That is an option for Moyes to use, but he's the one who's created eight chances in the last four. He gets further forward, he's an exciting player out of the two, I suppose, but I think the safer option is to go Ogbonna for me. It is still a bit... It's not that safe, though. Not with Reed coming back in. I think it's 50-50 for me. I don't know how he's going to do it. I really don't. As I say, I think Lanzini being suspended means that the upcoming game week we won't actually know because I think, actually, Reed will just come in in place of Lanzini, as weird as that sounds, and Masuaka will play further forward. But again, it's real guesswork from me. We started with Arnautovic up front, so, you know, things things can change. He may play Sacco. It's, it's a hard one, and you do kind of probably want some West Ham coverage because it's a double game week and they are treasured in FPL. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if if you've got Lanzini, I would actually probably hold because he's only actually mm. banned for this particular game because he's he's been banned for the uh, cup game tonight. So he's taken that in, in, in with his ban. So he'll be playing the Bournemouth game, game week 20. Uh, obviously, you've got a blank game week 21 and you've got that double game week. So if you have got him, I'll probably just hold on. Yeah, uh, if you're an owner of him to miss out on the Newcastle game aren't they his former Newcastles Uh, outside of Elliot who Jim mentioned uh, Bully 
I didn't see any options that I liked on the Newcastle side at all. Yeah, nor, nor me. Elliot's back by maybe. Like we're not a hundred percent. We're hoping he's back for good. But uh, Darlow's so rubbish, though. I don't understand yeah, what Benitez rubbish. was thinking. You know, why risk it? We know he's crap. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, we'll see. Stop, yeah. stop doing it to us. Okay, Burnley versus Spurs. So you've got the overperforming Burnley this season with that rock solid defence of theirs. I saw some stats on me and Wazilowski are in the top five, both together for the most uh, blocks in the league. Against the Tottenham side that have been misfiring of late, absolutely trashed by City at the weekend. Iceman, how do you see this one going? Well, not having Toby is kind of killing Tottenham at the moment. I think not only defensively, but going forward, you get a lot of play at the back when you're starting up attacks. And I think he's the one that feeds that ball through to the likes of Ali, Ericsson, even Kane. Kane with another blank. He is actually on four yellow cards, so he could get a ban. If he plays this game and gets a yellow card, he could get a ban for the um, Southampton game. And then obviously they've got the blank in the game week after, but then they've obviously got the double game week, which you kind of want to hold on to him for so you're hoping that he doesn't get it this game week if he does get it against Southampton it won't be carried over to the new year so keep that in mind that if he does get a yellow against Southampton that he won't be banned for the Swansea game but just with him a lot of people are looking at we've got a question from Mikhail L Danielson he's just saying keep Kane hashtag Kane exit whether or not you're moving him out or not I'm holding on to him just because he's the best striker in the league and there's not many other options as well and also he's got this double game week I just think if you move him out now you're going to want him back and I do think he can potentially score against Burnley Burnley have Tarkovsky facing a ban he's out for two games I believe with Nelbow on Murray so that lessens their chance to keep a clean sheet because they're going to have to switch around. I know Burnley are one of these teams which can replace any player and they still just keep to a system, but they were in the lower half of the league last season for a reason. They've done really well this season and I do think they've got lucky in a fair amount of games where teams have had so many shots against them and just not been able to score. I think Tottenham are going to run right here. I think Kane is going to get a hat-trick or something. That's my gut feeling on this one. That's why I'm actually putting my captain arms, man armband on him wow yeah. strong stuff what just before i give my thoughts on king what, what do you reckon bully what are your thoughts on on sir harold sir harold i love that hmm. um yeah i'm in no rush to get rid of him this game week i mean no spurs have, have been have been great recently but again they've played against city who you know just they keep the ball so well they knacker teams out and likewise burnley great defensive record but kane doesn't go too many games without without notching. So I still think he's going to come good and I'm going to stick with him. And also with that double game week in mind, I'm, I'm going to stay with him for now. Mm. Well, three for three, yeah, because I'll be keeping him as well. I do think, though, it's a huge call and I think losing him is viable. You know, you've seen a lot of movement in the upper reaches of the overall rankings of players doing it and then amending their formation, flooding the midfield with premium players and trying to kind of offset that Kane um, factor by you know that way. But if you look at it, he's had 10 shots on target in the last five, 28 total shots. So although Burnley do defend well, brilliantly, in fact, can they keep holding out with all these injuries and the Tarkovsky suspension? I'm not convinced. He's also a player who, you know, we would say is in that undroppable camp. Um, Kane, I mean, provides a weekly captain irrespective of opponent over Christmas. That's huge, even with the blank. And plus, you know, you're going to want him for the double game week 22. So that's a known transfer or free hit chip deployment that you're you're kind of penciling or even stronger than that into your transfer schedule which i don't like doing because you know there's so many unknowns in fpl so 
I'll be keeping with as well. I do understand the case for it, but not for me. He's he's um, he's sat and forget for me. In terms of the defensive options for Spurs, I did look at it. I don't know what your thoughts on this, Jim, but I couldn't find somebody that I wanted to recommend. Yeah. It just wasn't the value. Got Larice is probably the the best I thought at five point five mil for that double game week and again assuredness of selection, but. I couldn't. I couldn't. The Davies five point five mil and Vertonghen sitting off. Too hard to justify because you're not sure of who plays. And Spurs haven't played well enough to to justify it. In, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I don't think there's anyone in defence who you should be going for with them. I think if you're looking more towards the double game week, I think you need to wait until the double game week comes. Maybe save your two transfers up for that particular game week, and then you know see who's Good available, advice, yeah. see who's actually playing well. You know, maybe Son will be an option. You'd have to take out a good player to actually get one of these players, and I don't even think I'll be doing that. I think I'll just be holding on to Kane, going the cheap West Ham defenders just to get those, yeah. um, just to get those points per game. It's not, it's not an exciting double game week for me. I don't no, think it's, it's not. And the games points. are really close, aren't they? Yeah, they are. They really are close. So you wouldn't want to load up either. I'm just going back to West Ham. I don't think I answered that question very well before. So I, I think Adrian would be my recommendation of the. Uh, West Ham defensive options. I, if I was pushed, he'd be the one I'd go for. Even he's not bulletproof, but um, he'd be the one to go for. In this fixture, though, um, Bully, out for the Burnley side, I didn't. I mean, we talk, you guys talked about Pope a lot before, but um, I just didn't see many options really for this game. Spurs haven't been great this season, but I think they'll have too much of them this season. Uh, this this fixture, rather. Yeah, I think that's a fair comment. So, so uh, it remains to be seen whether you trust in the Burnley backline or if you back Harry. Okay, lads, on to the last game week uh, fixture. We've got Leicester versus Man United. Leicester, who have heartbreakingly just gone out of the league, or the Carabao Cup, sorry, to their neighbours, Man City, 4-3 on penalties. Mm. Um, Iceman, if you want to leave us off with this final fixture, anyone you like him for this one and moving forward? Well, Mares has been in uh, people's thoughts recently. He scored midweek. He could have scored against Paris as well. He seems to get opportunities nearly every game. It's just he's at that, again, at that price point, which is annoying. But, you know, if, if you're willing to go for someone like Mares, I don't see why not it's just they've got different fixtures on and off for the next five so it's it's a tough one but you can see them scoring in nearly any of those games but with United they didn't play that well against Bournemouth they had seven shots on target against them in that game a lot of people are looking at the De Gea option this it might be even better because he, he's uh, he's getting loads of save points because their defenders just can't seem to keep out the shots even against West Brom towards the end of that game they were they were looking like they couldn't even hold on so I would say that De Gea is even becoming an increasingly better option because he's he's pulling out those save points continuously. He is that set and forget keeper which everyone kind of would like to have. It's just that he's hit the highest price point of five point nine for keepers now. Yeah, I think absolutely. If, if all of them, he's going to be the one that you're going to want to keep in for the season. Tom, I heard you earlier said you brought in Lukaku. Did yeah. So eleven point three mil. Um, I'm sure most players, have, FPL players and managers, have had him at some age of this season. He's played every single minute of the campaign thus far. And I guess you could argue he's returning to some kind of form. Still doesn't pass the eye test, really. But this is a decent enough fixture, followed by two lovely ones of Burnley and Southampton, uh, followed by the away trip to Everton that I mentioned when we were chatting about Rooney. I thought my thought process with Lukaku, I had him in for the last couple of ge- uh, last game weeks. So he had a nice return in the West Brom game. It's a few things, really. So, there's not loads of options in strikes at the moment, in in my view, in FPL. Lukaku kind of gives that assuredness of selection. He's a captain option, high ownership. It's kind of hard for me to big him up too much. He's averaging 5.2 
points per game week over the season, which for that outlay is probably not enough, really. But those pros um, over the congestion of these fixtures over Christmas, for me, was enough to justify his inclusion. Plus, I was kind of expecting his output to improve with the return of Paul Pogba. Yeah, he's back. He's 7.9 mil. He's back, exactly. 7.9 price is locked. And United look better with him in the team. I think that's that's undeniable. He's He's actually... Still top for United on assists over the last five game weeks, Pogba this is, despite that suspension. So it just kind of gives an idea of, of how important he is to that team. So it was a bit of a punt. It sounds weird for someone priced that highly, but I'm hopeful that it'll come good with Pogba coming back into the team. So, yeah, I've gone with Lukaku. Outside of that, what's interesting that we, our favourite uh, injury, walking injury nightmare, Phil Jones, 5.4 mil, is now back in, in the team. Absolutely loves a bonus point, doesn't he? Um, we all like That's Phil nice. Jones and in that respect, one thing I did notice on the um, on the Always Cheaters podcast as well, they mentioned that Jose doesn't like playing Phil Jones in those midweek fixtures when he's played on the weekend, and they were using the Champions League as an example of that. So that kind of worried me a bit. He got the five point four mil price, lovely price tag route in. Smalling's the same price though. I wondered whether or not you guys thought he was potentially more nailed. And with Antonio Valencia picking up that injury in the last game. It remains to be seen how United will shuffle the deck. Um, you could you could envisage something like Ashley Young moving to right back and Rojo moving to left back, which would be one of the people who could take Phil Jones's spot to have out of the mix. So it's all a bit speculative, but I'd just be treading a bit carefully with Rojo. Smalling, I think less so. I think he's a bit more reliable. But that's just my view on that. I don't know how you guys see it. I, I agree. I think um, I've always thought that Smalling's at the moment seems to be the more nailed one with Bai being out. I'm, I'm more pro him than I am any of the others. I do think that Jose really likes Jones and uh, if he, again, if he can keep a bit of fitness then he'll likely be nailed for the Premier League as he seemed to be earlier in the season. I think so, Bully. It's just that, that the quick turnaround of fixtures for someone like yeah. Phil Jones. It's like, how much can you trust that? I agree. So, I, I, small... I see your point there, yeah. yeah. Jim, yeah. what do you reckon, Jim? You prefer Smalling to, to Jones for these these upcoming games? It's a difficult one, isn't it? Because Smalling, like you say, he's been playing more or less all the games so far. I think when Jones is back and fit, which Jose says he is, I think he plays all the games. All the, all the Premier League games. Even, really? Yeah. Even when they're sort of three games in a week? I think he's just needed and I, I don't think Jose's going to take much of a risk <laughs> to actually bench him because it is a risk when you've got Jones, they seem to keep loads of clean sheets. He's, he racks up all the bonus points as well, so like you say, I think that he is the better option out of the two. Moving to Lingard, though, I mean, he's done well recently and you have brought him in, Bully, but mm. I think now that Pogba is back, I think I might displace him slightly. Either if he does play with Pogba, I don't think he's going to have the same role. So I think that that might be a move out for you soon. They <laughs> put him in a sort of a short-term short term option there and I agree. Once he's back in, then it's likely it will affect his game time. But he's been a uh, he's been a nice no to in the short term. Yeah, Done no, well for you, hasn't he, man? He's not a bad chat. Yeah, yeah he's done right. Had a good few weeks. I, just going back to Mares, I, I had him in for a bit and then decided to transfer him out for Hazard, which has kind of been not my greatest transfer. I did get Hazard's brace and the assist, but Mares has probably outscored him and certainly better value at 8.6 mil. 6.8 per game week over the last five. And like Jim said, you can see him doing well against any opposition. So Leicester's fixtures are a right mixed bag. They've got the United game followed by away trips to Watford and uh, Liverpool, followed by a nice one home to Huddersfield. So Mahrez made no secret of the fact that he wanted to leave. He was really open about it. So the fact that the window's coming up 
in a few game weeks' time in terms of the, you know, the actual transfer window. I wonder whether or not his performances are just improving just in time to get him back on the radar, we shall see. But he, he's a, a nice a kind of unhelpful price point of 8.6 mil. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. So that's that. That's right. Is that enough said on Leicester versus Man United? Yeah, yeah, let's, let's so go all for I've got, mate, yeah. Brilliant. Right, let's take a quick break. We'll be back after the Iceman has uh, visited the post office. <laughs> Okay, so the Iceman's back from the loo. We're ready to sum up here. So, Arsenal versus Liverpool. The main ones we shouted were Ozil, Salah and Coutinho. Uh, Everton versus Chelsea. Rooney, single Everton defensive cover, we're thinking, with Coleman, Kenny looking good at a cheap price, Sigurdsson and Pickford. Uh, and Hazard is the one for Chelsea. And we're also waxing lyrical over Alonso. Watford are taking on Brighton. Dunk, Gross look good options for them. And Richarlison, the Iceman, made a compelling argument along with TC to keep. City versus Bournemouth. Sterling and KDB was the main players we discussed. Maybe Ottomendi at the back for City. Saints take on Huddersfield. We're not looking to rush play him. But if you've got Austin, we think they'll learn from their mistake and play him this week. Stoke against West Brom. This looks like dull written all over it, but potentially if you've got defensive picks for either side, go with them. Swansea versus Palace. Palace picking up a bit of form, so Zaha's looking good, and of course Loftus-Cheek, one of the best 4.5 million options ever. West Ham take on Newcastle, and Altovich is in good form for West Ham, but we can't agree on who's going to play at the back for them, so you have to make your own decision over that. Elliot continues to be a good option for Newcastle. Burnley take on Spurs, and uh, we're going to keep the faith in Kane for now. We don't think a player of his quality will blank that long. Burnley defenders, of course, if you fancy going the other way. I, uh, I forgot to mention in the West Ham versus Newcastle game, Adrian as well is looking good for them. Leicester versus Man United. De Gea looks a great sort of season keeper, excuse the pun. Smalling seems to be nailed at the back. Uh, Lukaku is proving to be mustard for a lot of people. Mustard? Uh, he's proving to be Marmite for a lot of people. Uh, Mahrez looking great for Leicester. Nice sum up, bro. Lovely. Uh, let's move to captain's picks then. So, TC, as our guest, who are you going for? So, um, right now it's on Lukaku. Uh, I think that's actually helped by the fact Leicester have just played uh, extra time as well. So, um, thinking of keeping it on there. Although, I have to say, Jim did make a compelling case for uh, for Kane as well. So, he's the other one in, in the thought process. But right now it's on uh, on the, the Belgian. Well, on the Belgian. What about uh, you, Iceman? Are you sticking with your Kane shout? Yeah, see, it's on Kane. I mean, Sterling is a shout as well with Bournemouth. I mean, looking at their last two games at the Etihad with 5-1 and 4-0, it's very tempting to go him considering he got a hat-trick in their last meeting. So, he is very, very tempting considering that home. I just, I've got a gut feeling about Kane and if I, normally when I don't follow my gut, it was last week, my gut feeling was Salah and I didn't go with it. I went with Hazard to be safe. I'm, I think I'm just going to go with my gut this week and yeah, see what happens. Follow your gut, Iceman. I think I'm going to stick with you on that one. I, I still believe in Kane. Kane is going to be my choice for the week. We're kind of two and a half decided on uh, on sticking with Kane for this game. Okay. Um, well, let's go to Twitter then, Iceman. Who have we got? So we've got a few questions. We're not going to be an answer at all because we've gone on quite a while this pod. But um... we had a brief chat at the beginning of the podcast about squad value, and 
my overall rank is nothing great at the moment, 280 odd K. But one thing I have noticed is that my team value is decent enough. It's over 104 mil at the moment, I think 104.3 at the moment. And what finding that's enabling me to do is is to actually react more quickly to get the the premium players in who are performing well each week. And I just wonder whether or not that's going to give me more of an advantage in the second half of the season. I kind of hope so because it's not traditionally how I've played. I have moved a bit quicker on transfers this season than historically. Uh, and I guess it remains to be seen if that's going to be proven to be a good strategy. But kind of be interested as to what you think on that bully i know you mentioned at the beginning of the pod yeah. that you had some thoughts on it that you've had some some going going early on transfers yeah i mean so a lot of people will give the advice not to make your transfer too quickly and i remember a couple of years ago when i did quite well i would make my transfer very quickly so that i could take advantage of the value from that week and i think that's good for price rises but only if there's not sort of champions league cup games uh, anything that's potentially going to scupper it within the week. So I have had my fingers burnt with it in the past. But I remember, like you were saying there, a couple of years ago, I got to a point where my team had so much value, I actually had an extra premium player over anybody else in my mini league at the oh. time. So I'm kind of of the opinion now, I, don't, I, I went the other way because I actually started taking hits to do that every week. And it didn't work for me the next season. So I'm kind of of the opinion now that I'm not as focused on team value. However, I, when I make my transfer, I do keep an eye on if there's anybody that's a bit of a runaway train, so to speak. So if there's yeah. anybody who's got a good run of fixtures, they've just had a big game week and uh, they're on a good performing side. You know, if, if they are significantly higher in terms of transfers in, I am always drawn more towards that. Yeah, I can understand that, especially this, as I say, where I'm at at the moment. It's the first time I've kind of experienced that. So, yeah, yeah it be interesting. Maybe if you guys have me on the podcast at the sort of final third of the season, then you can reflect on whether or not that's still working out or whether or not it's proven to be a kind of false dawn. But we'll see. Well, You're the, going to be uh, watching your, your squad value increase over yeah. time. Yeah. I'll say, yeah. There was a point which uh, Paul Morgan, who we will bring back on the pod sometime soon, uh, did say that if you do do your transfers early, you, you bring up your squad value. And then in the second half of the season, that does benefit you for those uh, players which you can get. And apparently he's done some statistical analysis on it and it does actually work out for the better if you do do it it just means that you might have to do a minus four here and there to you know recover your team after an injury midweek so it is interesting i, I do would like to discuss that with him when he when he comes on next actually yeah look to that one okay moving on cool. uh, back to the twitter questions going one we got from slack from uh, captain kingpin who was on here uh, at one point, uh, one of our guests is just saying, is it time to go with one premium striker and invest in more premium midfielders, e.g. Coutinho and KDB? And the same question was kind of asked by Josh Kelm. He's just saying, with four forwards underperforming, is it viable to have a 3-5-2, e.g. Kane and a rotation between Austin and Domin- Dominic Calvert-Lewin? What do we reckon of that one, boys? Tom, do you want to go first on this one? Yeah, I think definitely viable. I think uh, last season taught me uh, that I need to be more kind of flexible in my thinking of um, formations in FPL. I've been so rigid 3-4-3 over the last few seasons and that was proven to be uh, kind of a bit short-sighted last season that 3-5-2 was at one stage definitely the more profitable uh, one to go with and you can kind of see uh, the thought process behind going uh, going with that again at this time of year. Uh, We've gone through a number of awesome midfielder options, especially over the congested Christmas fixtures. So 
definitely viable. The one caveat is that the three of us did mention that if you do get rid of Kane, you do need to have it planned in for that double game week in game week 22 because you will want him. You will definitely want him for those two. Uh, it would be kind of crazy to go without. But yeah, I, I can definitely see the case for it. Yeah, I, I think that there are more options in midfield than there are up front now at the moment. There's just there's so many that you want to pick, and I don't think Loftus-Cheek is going to get you the points which you need for that fifth midfield, and I do think upgrading him is a viable thing. But the thing is, it does make you less flexible in terms of your team, as in like if you've got those two lower price strikers, you, you have to chop and change between those two lower stri- uh, lower price strikers if you want to change it up up front, whereas if you've got a bit more cash up there, then just say Lacazette suddenly starts playing every game, or Jesus gets injured, like it makes Guerrero a suddenly a really good option like every game week it can change really quickly so I can see I can see why people want to go with the the big five in midfield but it does make your team a little bit unflexible in terms of up front for going for those options which might appear Bully what's your thoughts um I, I don't like the idea of two bog standard low cheap strikers I prefer kind of some kind of compromise on if you were going to come away from Kane potentially having still a maybe a, a Jesus or like you say a Lacazette someone who's in that 10 range and then someone middle price like a Rooney or uh, Firmino I still think Firmino provides decent value for his price in the way that Liverpool turn up and smash teams sometimes so I'd say one big hitter one medium and one low a more favorable view for me okay fair enough so uh, moving on to the next question we've got from Jess uh, Fish is just saying uh, after seeing today today's team sheets, the assay is officially dead. Best replacement up to five point <laughs> eight mil. Oh. Uh, he already has Dominic Calvert Lewin. He has five playing mids, so can be anyone who rotates with Dominic Calvert Lewin. So he's looking at that five point eight mil bracket. What what are thoughts on uh, maybe uh, how much is Austin? I mean, because he, no, he's two C six point two. He's a bit above. Yeah. So. There's not loads. To, I mean, I love the wording of this question. The yeah, assay is dead. It's dramatic. But, uh, can, I, can I just confirm the assay is not dead to our <laughs> listeners, please? He's alive Anybody well. to misconstrue what is said on this podcast. I, I wonder I, if anyone's going to be looking at Abraham now at 5.8, now that uh, Bonnie's out. Bonnie being out. Yeah. 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 He's a de- decent I mean, player, I, but yeah, not consistent returns. Your favourite, Glenn Murray, still around with those good fixtures we mentioned. Do you You're going to have to, you know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> with this, with this less, with this less than two points a game week, all yeah. that I mentioned, and those, <laughs> True. an absolute thrilling player. I mean, Mounier is the one that you could see could be good turns, but randomly gets dropped. So, if I was absolutely pushed into an answer, I I, I would go for Mounier. Okazaki is the one that Pete's mentioned before at five point five mil, but I mean, he had a seventeen point haul, I think it was, I think and then was dropped the next yeah. game. So. <laughs> It, it just it just sums up what you get with Okazaki. You know, it's a great return, and then actually didn't play the next game or didn't start it. So, I'm sorry to the guy who asked the question. He's probably all too well aware there's not great options there. If I had to, I'm not going to endorse Glenn Murray. I'd go for <laughs> I'd go for Mounier. I'd probably go all the way down to the bottom and go Quano at 4.5. Not even play him, and then spread that money in the midfield. Yeah, fair really enough. Have to. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> I suppose, yeah, I'm looking because my shout on this case has always been Okazaki. I can't do that now. And I, I refuse to go with Sid's Hosselu shout. I will not, <laughs> will not do that. Will not. 
keep I think keep your eye on De Potter at Huddersfield. He started the majority of the ninety minutes for them. I know we're talking about Munier there, but a little bit cheaper. Uh, four goals, two assists this season, only five point two. That's a nice shout actually, Pete. Not, they not, do have a nice run, don't they? We mentioned Huddersfield's nice fixtures, so I like just, that. Just they're yeah. in rotation though, uh, De Potter and yeah. Munier, aren't yeah. they? So it's difficult to go either of them, in my opinion. But that that is still better than Zaki not playing. Abraham doing nothing for a blunt Swansea. Yeah, and everyone else we've met, and we, we refuse to acknowledge Glenn Murray, so <laughs> they're all kind of bad. So, yeah, good choice. Yeah. Uh, well, that was depressing. Should we move yeah. on? Um, I'm glad okay. we didn't mention Saido Barahino. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, you said it. Uh, I've, been, I've been there, done podcast. that. Barahino, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, we, right, so moving on. Uh, so we've got one from uh, Roger yeah. Booth who said, uh, I have two free transfers and was thinking of Son and Vardy out for KDB and then I have 6.3 left for a striker who's thinking of getting Murray in. What do you think? I think if you've got 6.3, go Austin. He's, he is yeah, he is the one which is needed for that Southampton team and uh, it's just a better well, option. than uh, Gray of Watford is actually 6.3 exactly. We spoke about him earlier. D out. Yeah, two nice shouts actually. Yeah. Austin, if um, if he begins to get picked more regularly, that would be the the one concern there. But he's, he's the best one of of the choices at that value, I I would think. Yes. Getting rid of Son Son seems a bit harsh. I think he's he's done right recently, hasn't he? And without Ali just not performing well enough, I think. Um, and you know the fact that Son could feature in that double game week, slight risk in moving him on. I mean, if you're bringing in KDB, it's hard for me to argue argue against that. But just be a little bit wary of taking off a Spurs player before the, the double game week in 22. Yeah, I, I think our discussion regarding these strikers which are difficult to actually get just shows why going to five in midfield and then having those two cheap strikers up top is very difficult to do because you know, you're kind of fixed on those players which you probably don't even want to have at least with Morata I mean like a lot of people are moving him out just due to Chelsea not scoring majorly amounts, amounts of goals but even with him he is kind of nailed and you do kind of hope that he's going to play every game he is going to get chances so I think that keeping with these two up top these two big hitters and then the one lower price I think that is still the best option go I mean I have thought about the five in midfield and I'm not saying I definitely won't do it but I think at the moment you you do need for that flexibility to have those two up front yeah, yeah, I agree. That was my original answer. I think he's. Um, I think it's essential that you've got two strikers that you can bank on playing and possibly scoring every week. I think that's really important. Yeah, um, we're, we're going to leave it for Twitter this week because we, we've gone on quite a while. So uh, thanks for your questions, guys. Sorry we didn't get around to answering them. But keep them coming. Iceman bully. As uh, as lifelong Arsenal fans, we're all too familiar with the wonderful Francis Jeffers to a greater and more comparable degree now. Uh, Lacazette signed for this reason. The question I ask you: What's in the box? Okay, what's in the box? Let me just have a quick look. So we had one from... Take the lid off the box. So we had one from our very own Tom Campbell. He said, uh, Sid was great on the podcast. Bully reminds me of Ray Stubbs. Sid and Jim give the analysis and detail and well-reasoned thoughts. Pass it over to Bully, who wraps it up in a beautiful parcel and puts it on the shelf for listeners before moving on <laughs> to the next topic. That's one of our pieces of feedback we had last week. So thanks for that, Tom. Thank you. just have to... Tom, you just... Have to we praise. I, love, I used to love watching Ray Stubbs. Yeah, he was great. Every Saturday morning, top man. Thank you. That's that's how you get on the podcast to the listeners. You just have to kiss a bit of corporate and, and, <laughs> and get a, get your
That's the corporate. Well, thank you for that, Tom. You've absolutely role modelled perfectly what we um, what we would like to hear about in the box. And if uh, if you want to be featured on what's in the box, uh, give us feedback on Twitter, and the uh, and we'll pick one at random each week from the Iceman. And that brings us to the end, very sadly, of episode 81 of the Fantasy Football Surgery podcast. Before we we end things, I'm going to tell you about how you can find out about all things surgery. So on our website, a little bit more activity recently with the Iceman updating the podcast Hall of Fame on there, www.fantasyfootballsurgery.com. Uh, what is interested if you fancy doing a little bit of scribing and you're interested in getting an article on the website, uh, Contact us by email, ffsurgerypodcast at yahoo.com. You can also send us your questions uh, on Twitter, which is the main one, at ff underscore surgery. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook as well. Just type in football surgery. Uh, listen to us on SoundCloud and uh, iTunes as well. And you can join our mini league on 1173-455. And nice man, do you just want to shout the uh, the Patreon page again? Yeah, so it's Patreon, so that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash yeah. fancy football surgery. So if you want to support the podcast, uh, get on there and get some pledges and then you can get some rewards, which we will be giving out prizes for. Big Christmas special coming up on that Iceman. Okay, well, I want to thank our esteemed guest for joining us again, Mr. Tom Campbell. Thank you. Uh, most welcome. Oh, my pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me on again, and um, good luck in your game weeks, guys, and very Merry Christmas. Yeah, cheers, Jim. We cheers, look forward to having you on again soon. Iceman, I usually ask you for words of wisdom. I've never got um, any I'm wisdom. And any final thoughts, Iceman? <laughs> merry Christmas to all of our listeners. I hope it all goes swimmingly. And for me, Billy, it's a very Merry Christmas to you all, and uh, we look forward to speaking to you just before Christmas Day. Okay, so the Iceman has dropped the uh, dropped the. Oh, I don't know what the, the analogy is. He's been to the the loo. The, loo. the Iceman has been to the loo. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to start that one again? Um, no, it's outtake. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Okay, so the Iceman's back. Okay.